Hi, and welcome to the Creative Collective Podcast. We are thrilled to have Corey Walmsley on today. She is the CEO of Aurora Corialis Publishing. She works with leaders who have a transformational story to share. She helps them quickly and easily write and publish a book for their brand that helps them create a legacy and be seen as an expert while building a relationship with the reader. Corey has 18 years experience as a professional writer and editor, including 10 years with the departments of energy and justice and four years as the executive editor of Inspiring Lives magazine. She also wrote nine fiction books and one nonfiction book, The Spark Method, How to Write a Book for Your Business Fast, and contributed to two anthologies. Her 10th book, The Treasures We Seek, was published in November of 2023. We are so excited today to chat with you, Corey. I would love to know more about your background and how you got involved in helping leaders write and publish transformational books for their brands. Sure. Well, thank you for having me on. I actually have started out as a government writer. So I used to be a technical and scientific writer and editor for a couple of different government agencies. And while I was there at, at my second position, I had the pleasure of working with a lot of scientists and they were doing some really cool research in the labs. We had a lot of different tasks to try to make them more like regular people. Because um, whenever you think of a scientist, you think of, you know, typically some old guy in a lab coat. And a lot of these were, you know, people from all over the world. They were men, women, old, young, and they had really cool things that were going on. Um, some of them had really interesting hobbies um, or different volunteer work that they did. So we also got to feature some of that. So that's kind of where some of my storytelling, like real people storytelling skills came from, was talking with them and figuring out how we wanted to help them you know, appeal to the general public. While I was there, I was also writing novels. I wrote four middle grade fantasy novels and a women's fiction novel. And so whenever I ended up leaving and starting my own company, I thought, you know, I'm going to be a freelancer. I'll do press releases and web copy and, you know, all those fun things, email funnels. And as I was talking to people when I would go to networking events, I would tell them, you know, here's all my skills, but I also have written all these novels. So they kind of understood like, okay, I've got some good storytelling skills. And they would always cut me off and say, well, how do you write a book? Like, that's a lot. <laughs> and I need to write a book. And that's where I started thinking like, okay, you know, what I've learned over the years is really applicable to helping people write books for their business, because that's not something that's their wheelhouse. You know, they are you know, a business coach, or they do web design, or they have a nonprofit, but they've been through a journey and they want to be able to share that with the world and help, you know, give themselves credentials with a book. They wanted to be able to use the book to pitch to, you know, speaking gigs. They wanted to use that book to bring in more clients. And those were all things that I had learned how to do over the years between writing novels and my marketing skills. Okay, wait, this is so cool because now I'm thinking I need a book all of a sudden. You're like naming things, you know, they're a web designer, they're a business coach. These are like things that I am. I'm like, are you talking to directly to me? That's just what's so, in my head. <laughs> I love it. So that's that's such a cool thought, a, a cool way to for someone to get to know a person better and to for them to know like truly about their story like i love 
I love that you're able to help people capture that. Thank you. It's it's really interesting because, you know, we have these huge stories. We've lived our, lived our lives. So we've got all this stuff and most people can't see past all this stuff and they need to pare it down and be able to find this one storyline that connects everything up. And that's something that I love helping people with. Yeah. Just going deeper on that thought that you have there about, you know, kind of narrowing things down. Why do you believe that these stories are so powerful for people and ultimately for their brands? It helps them be a real person. Nobody wants to see a person out there who's like, oh, I know I've got this fancy car and I've got these beautiful clothes and I get to travel all over the world. And you're like, wow, I want to be them, but that's not a real person. (laughs) So why would you want to work with somebody who's not a real person? And the book really helps break down that wall and showcase the challenges that they've been through. And that's something I always focus on with my clients is that they need to make sure that they're sharing those challenges because, and I, I give this example all the time. This is one of my favorite ones. A few years ago, I worked with someone who was a functional alcoholic and he overcame that and you know, completely quit drinking and actually became a motivational speaker. And he's a phenomenal speaker today. He's got a book. But when we were working on that book, he was telling the story of how he, you know, first realized like I've got to make a change in my life and then some of the steps that he took to do that. And one of the things he said was, you know, he had he had been working with a coach and the coach said, you know, you really need to clean up your diet and get all the junk out and that'll make you want to, you know, also not drink as much. You're, you know, you're making these changes in the things that you're eating, so you might as well, you know, cut out the drinking too those two things support each other. So he said that he went in his kitchen, he took everything out of the fridge, he dumped the beers down the drain, and he threw out his Chinese food. Like it was a big moment for him. He went to the grocery store, he loaded up his cart with healthy food, he went back and put it in his fridge. And I'm like, okay. And then what happened? He's like, well, I started eating healthy and it was much better. I started feeling good. And I'm like, every day, every meal, did you really? Like, you didn't call for pizza? (laughs) Like, come on, you're a real person. Tell me this. Let me see that there are things that you did on this journey that, you know, you don't just flip a switch and become this completely different person. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make when they're talking about who they are and what they stand for is they make it sound like, oh, it was cold turkey. Absolutely. It can be on some things, but you know there are times when you at least have a mental struggle with whatever change you're trying to make. Even if you're the most positive person in the world, if you're trying to overcome you know, a cancer diagnosis or a death in the family or things like that, you're not going to get up every day and be like, hey, it's sunshine and roses. It's not. There are moments when you're going to break down. There are moments when you're going to struggle and you need to reach out to people. So I want to make sure that that's something that's showcased in all the books that we work on. Yeah, the the vulnerability piece is something that you're right, it's so crucial because people just can't see everything on the surface level. That's going to give them like just an idea that it's it's so easily attainable. And then why isn't it working for me? Well, it's not working for you because that's perhaps not the reality. So that's amazing that you draw that out of people in order to really bring everything to the forefront, no matter how, you know, like you said, sunshiny and (laughs) rosy it is versus, okay, this is also what's actually happening too. Yeah. We got to be real people. Definitely. I think to one of the things that can be a little disenchanting about social media or just 
being living in this world we live in right now is the fact that we often only see someone's wins, like their successes, and we don't know what went on behind that, like kind of that whole like picture of the iceberg. Like you only see like that tip of the iceberg, but underneath is like this huge, massive block of ice. Right. And, and I think just having, having those stories and being, having your talent and being able to coach someone through that, it's just such a gift. Like, I love that you're able to help people do that. So I'm curious, like if someone has an idea and they want to get published, like what does that process look like? So there are a lot of different options. You know, most people are familiar with traditional publishing houses. Um, We've started seeing more people doing independent publishing. And there's also hybrid, uh, which is what we do at Aurora Corealis. It's a blend of the two. So you have the professionalism and the you know, the people who are there ready for your book that like a traditional publishing house would have. So you don't have to go out and vet people and, you know, cross your fingers and hope you found the right person. So there's that aspect to it, but it's similar to independent publishing because the author also covers the cost for the publishing and they're paying to have it go through more quickly. You don't have to pitch for years and hope that you land a deal and hope it's the right publisher that's going to really believe in your story and all those things. Um, You have a lot more control over the process. You have a lot of control over the title and the book cover too. Um, Those are things that like I advise on, but you know, the author has that ability to be able to pick for themselves too. The process, it can be anywhere from I have an idea. Can I talk to you? Or I have a manuscript. Can can we talk about this? And it depends on what publishing house you're pitching to, too. I know a lot of hybrids have a very specific niche that they work with. There are some hybrids that work with you know the same people we do. A lot of coaches, speakers, nonprofit leaders, people who are C-suite who want to kind of bolster their career with a book. Uh, those are the kind of people we work with. But then there are others who work with romance authors or sci-fi authors. Um, so I think it's important whenever you are hunting, if you're looking for a hybrid, to make sure that you find somebody that their house works with the type of book that you're putting out. Different hybrids will have different pitching requirements. Like we always ask people if they have a book to send us three chapters so we can read it and see, you know, is this something that we're going to be able to work with? You know, what level of editing do they need? Do they need a copy edit? Do they need a developmental edit? Do they need somebody to sacrifice a goat and hope for the best? (laughs) There are a lot of different things that we can look at with a, a manuscript. You know, as far as people who have an idea, I always ask them to reach out to me, let me know a little bit about what their goals are, what their business is, you know, how they see this working with their business. Because I want to make sure that people understand that if you are putting out a book, I don't care what genre it is, you have a business. So if you are a a web designer, for example, and you put out a romance book, you have two separate businesses, unless you are a web designer for romance novelists, then you might be able to blend the two. So that's uh, just kind of in a nutshell what people can expect for you know pitching. 
And then, of course, once you start working with a publishing house, there are a lot of pieces involved. There's, you know, the book development piece, the cover, the editing, the layout, all of those things, the actual publishing. And then there's the marketing end of it, marketing, PR, sales. And those are things that the author needs to think about too. And different publishing houses are going to offer different things. Like we offer marketing and PR surrounding the launch. Some of them will offer like a year-long campaign. Some of them will have something that you can add on that is for specific campaigns, like an Amazon bestseller campaign, or if you want to reach all the bookstores on the East Coast or things like that. Like there are different goals you can have for those. Um, So I would say if somebody is looking to work with a publishing house to have a list of questions and be ready to ask and do a little bit of research ahead of time so you know what you can ask because there's always more questions to ask. I appreciate you speaking to all of this because I, well, just to kind of back up a little bit. So I am a self-published author Mm -hmm. times two. And I tried to navigate the process of trying to go the traditional route. And I was so overwhelmed. And everything that you just talked about is everything that I could have read on the internet, could have like encountered. And I was like, why? Why is there why are there so many steps? Why are there so many publishers? And then I would look at a publisher's website and they're accepting submissions. And okay, but now you have to have a literary agent. And there's so many different aspects of that. So what do you feel like if somebody is like, okay, I, I I think I'm kind of ready to go in that direction. What do you feel like is like that most tangible thing that they can do in order to make the process smooth and perhaps eliminate, well, not eliminate, maybe just reduce kind of the overwhelm about the process? Yeah. So when I started out, I actually pitched literary agents too. I did that for several years. I had an agent for a couple of years and we never did strike up a deal with a publishing house. So I ended up self-publishing five novels in one year. I was pregnant. So that was my nesting. (laughs) So I self-published them all in one year, but I had access to editors and everything. So it's not like I had to figure everything out on my own. I was lucky in that aspect, but I think The most important thing you can do is have realistic expectations and make a plan. So, you know, if you do want to work with a traditional publisher, I would sit down, figure out like, these are the agents that I want to work with. These are the ones that are accepting submissions. And then, you know, set some time limits. Okay. If I don't get an agent within six months, I'm going to do X or, you know, within a year, I'm going to do X. If I don't have a deal with a publisher within two years, then I'm going to, you know, move on and try working with a hybrid or I'm going to independently publish. I think it's important for you to take control of what you're doing because otherwise that book is just never going to get out there. And there are pros and cons with every type of publishing. So I wouldn't tell somebody, oh, absolutely don't do this. You have to do this. There are benefits. And then there are, there are things that you're going to run into that you don't like as much. So start definitely with a plan. Figure out who you want to who you want to be reading your book. Knowing that ahead of time is going to be massively important for, for what you're doing because it'll help you kind of figure out what publishers you can work with or what agents you can work with. Or, you know, if you're doing it independently, which editors you'll be able to work with because a lot of times they specialize too. And then I would say just making sure, like, don't get so attached to the outcome having to be like, I I absolutely have to do it independently. Okay, well, maybe you start independently and you run into a lot of frustrations. Maybe you start working with a cover designer and 
their vision doesn't match up with yours. Understand that there is always going to be something out there that's going to work for you and don't get tied to like, I absolutely have to work with my best friend. She knows what she's doing. Well, if she hasn't designed a cover before, then maybe that's not the best route. So being open, asking questions, even if you don't want to reach out to a publisher to ask questions, like I'm always happy to answer questions from people, but a lot of times you can look in your uh, reach out to your library because they'll have connections with publishers, with authors, and those kind of people will be able to answer your questions. And I think you'll find that the author community is so friendly and warm and inviting because they've all been there. They've all gone through the same struggle. I've, I live in Pittsburgh. And uh, when I started connecting with authors there, I was so impressed with the kind of people that I connected with. They're warm, inviting, and definitely willing to answer questions. I know that was a long answer, but I think it was, I hope it was helpful. Yeah. One of the things that you touched on there was I heard you use the word control. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's amazing when somebody has an idea of, I have an idea, I want to write a book, but you know, I want to control some parameters of it. So I appreciate you speaking to that because like allowing people to know that there are some options you don't just have to go one route. A lot of times there's things that can be negotiated too. But one of the things that you also mentioned, you know, earlier was the idea of ghostwriting. So first, I'm wondering if you could just clarify for everybody listening what ghostwriting is. And then as a part of that too, if someone goes the ghostwriting ghost writing route, how do you make sure that that person's authentic voice is showing up through their book? And like I mentioned earlier, like ultimately allowing them to still have the control of this is my story and this is how I want it to be presented. So there are a lot of different definitions for ghostwriters. We tend to refer to it as concierge writing because of the way we handle it. But I know most people are familiar with the term ghostwriter. So a lot of times I'll just say ghostwriter. A ghostwriter will write your book for you, base definition. There are some ghostwriters who you can say, hey, I want a book about this. Here's the money. Go have at it. But with a lot of business owners, they want more control. They want it to be their words. They want it to sound like them, all of that good stuff. So we do more of a concierge sort of thing. Our ghostwriter will sit down at the very beginning of the process and talk to the person about what their goals are, if they have you know, maybe some transcripts that they want to incorporate. If they have some talks that they've done where they the ghostwriter can watch the video and be like, okay, you know, these are some of the major points. She will sit down and help figure out what the outline of the book is and all those pieces and get to know your voice. That way she is able to write in your voice. And I think that's majorly important to have a book that sounds like you, because if you're selling that book and you're hoping to get clients from it, you want it to have your ideas, your stories, the things that are important to you. You want to showcase, again, that vulnerability because you want someone to be able to connect with you through that book and then reach out and say, hey, I think you're the person I need to work with. And you don't want any surprises there. You want to sound like your book, like, okay, you wrote this book, here's you, basically the same thing. If you have a book that doesn't really sound like you, then there's going to be that disconnect. Well, this person has kind of fallen in love with the person who wrote this book. And here we are over here with this completely different person. And I think it's also important to be very authentic in the way you speak. So like when I work with an author, a lot of times they'll be worried about how they, how they're writing, you know, is this not professional enough? Well, 
how do you appear when you get up on stage? How do you appear when you do a Facebook Live? When you're writing your blog for your website, how are you appearing there? If you swear like a sailor in all of those instances, then I expect your book to have the same kind of language in it. You don't want to appear very delicate and professional and over-the-top academic and then you know, your personality is completely different. Um, so I think that that's a very important thing to watch for. And throughout the process with our ghostwriter, she will have multiple meetings. Um, she'll turn in, you know, a few chapters and say, please read this. Tell me, does this sound like you? Are there pieces that don't sound like you? We need to work on that. And so by the time we get to the end of the book, you have a book that sounds like you actually wrote the whole thing. So here's something that I'm really curious on because... I can't help but think about AI and all of this, ChatGPT or whatever AI tool is out there. And and most are not great at capturing someone's voice. I mean, you can try to teach it. And I think a lot of people are trying to do that. But have you run into that any? Or like, what would you say are the challenges there when it comes to AI? Yeah. So right off the bat, you can't copyright your book if it's written by AI, because those are not your words. From what I understand, AI is pulling things from the internet. So it's going to pull little pieces and ideas from other people's work. So, you know, you wouldn't be able to say, this is mine. I wrote the whole thing. If you do use like chat GPT, I think it would be best to use it to kind of bolster your process. Maybe saying like, hey, I need to outline a chapter talking about my experience with starting my business. Okay. You know, it's going to give you a little bit of an outline and then you can plug in all of your ideas because you have to keep in mind all your stories are in your head. Unless you are some phenomenal person who sits down every night and you know journals your entire day on your blog, I don't think that it's going to be able to pull all your stories. And there are going to be nuances to these different stories. Even if you say, you know, I fell off a horse and broke my leg and I ended up in the hospital for three days. Even if it's like that specific of a story, you're going to be able to find that somewhere and you need to add your heart to it. You know, what was it you experienced? What did you learn? You know, why were you on that horse? Were you running from the law? Were you learning how to, you know, jump hurdles or something? Everything is going to be a little bit different and every person is bringing all of their pieces, you know, everything that they've experienced to that particular story. So it's going to be very hard for ChatGPT or some other AI tool to be able to capture all those moments, all of your emotions. And I think that that's the thing that kind of leaves AI flat. Even if it's really well written, there's always something missing. And I always feel like it's, you know, that person's heart is missing. That person's, you know, their little jokes or, you know, the the thing that they remembered from first grade or that experience they had that, you know, has changed their whole world. Those things are missing. So if you do want to use it, like I said, I think it's good for outlining. It's good for maybe getting some ideas out, maybe saying, you know, hey, what's what are people talking about right now with this topic? And then using that to create your own ideas because everything is a conversation. We're always learning from each other. So I think that's okay. But definitely do not <laughs> sit down and try to write your whole book with AI tools. Definitely. I think that is such good perspective on it because I think really a common thing that I hear is that AI is going to like take over. It's going to, right. There's like this fear factor to it. 
And the reality is, is that, right, like you are the only one that has your story and you are the only one that's going to be able to tell it in a unique way. And for it to have that transparency and that vulnerability, I love that you said what's missing is the heart. I just think that that is just captures such the essence of what I feel when I read posts that are anything that's clearly written by AI. It's just, it it really does feel like it is missing something. I'm curious too, if there are any common misconceptions about writing and publishing books that you often have to address with your clients. There are a lot of them. (laughs) For starters, I I think that because we're so used to seeing like James Patterson and Danielle Steele and J.K. Rowling and all these people who are big name authors, a lot of times, you know, that makes us dream big, which is wonderful. I love that people dream big, but then sometimes somebody who is completely unknown, has no social media presence, doesn't have a business, all that kind of stuff, they'll come to me with a manuscript and they'll be like, I went on the Today Show. And I'm going to sell a million copies of this. And I'm I'm like, okay, let's scale it back a little bit because you have to start at the bottom just like everyone else. There's kind of a hierarchy for marketing and PR. And you know, if you are working with small, a smaller publishing house like us, we don't have access to just say, oh, you know, I'm I'm friends with the producer on that show. Let me just you know reach out to them and they'll get you on. We are building up too. You know, we reach out to smaller podcasts. We reach out to magazines that we've connected with. We reach out to local newspapers. Those kind of things. For somebody who has a business that's been established for a long time, or if they have you know a lot of followers on social media, I think that those are more realistic expectations. But it's certainly not going to be the norm. So that's definitely something that we always talk to people about. And then, you know, that's that's kind of an early on conversation I like to have with people is, you know, the realism of, you know, what you're going to expect once the book is out there. But then I think the writing process also can confuse people because, you know, we see these movies where somebody sits down and just like, oh, my God, I have a brilliant idea. And they beat on their computer overnight. And in the morning, they have a manuscript. And we see ads online all the time for, you know, write your book in a weekend, write your book in a month, all these things. I have personally written 10 books, and I've done two of them in six weeks. I don't mean like two at the same time, like one I wrote in six weeks, and then another time I wrote a book in six weeks. But I had already written several books by that point. So I had a process. I knew exactly what I was doing. The one book I was actually using some of my blogs to kind of fill in spots and then elaborating on them and, you know, adding in pieces that I hadn't talked about already. I was able to use pieces that I had to cut down on my writing time. The other one was a fiction book that I wrote, Braving the Shore. And it was so quick because I didn't have a lot of clients at the time. It was over the summer. So it was kind of a quieter time. And it was something that was so fun for me that I was spending several hours a day, if I could, in my office writing. So I would tell my kids like, oh, go watch a movie. I'm going to go in the office and <laughs> you know, just dump my brain onto the page for the next two hours. For, for me, that was fun. I would stay up after I put them to bed and I would just sit here and write and write and write. If that's something that you want to do, absolutely, especially if you've done it before, it makes it a lot easier. But for first-time authors, 
I don't think it's realistic for them to expect to be able to write a whole book in a weekend. Even if you are speaking a lot of your chapters, which is a, a way that you can get through, a lot of times we'll just sit and you know we'll be able to talk and then, oh yeah, it fills it all in. You have a draft. You don't have a full book at that point. So those are some things that I always tell people like, be aware that you have to fit it in. You need to have a realistic expectation of how long it's going to take. Like our coaching program is five months for the book. And some people actually end up taking a little bit longer. Once they've worked with me for that five months, they'll sit down and they'll write or they'll, you know, go through it and vet the book and, you know, have a couple friends read it, that kind of thing. Um, so understanding that it does take time to write a book is really important. It just feels like really overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is why people need to come to you though right to to help guide them in the process i think like this is definitely something i know very little about so i'm learning so much through this conversation and i love that you are there and as a guide to help someone go through the process and to help coach them on well that's that's not realistic. Let's let's dial it back. Let's figure out your actual next steps, right? Yeah, I feel I feel validated in a way because to your point, there are a lot of times where I've got I've got several projects that I've got going on personally and I will just open up my Google Doc and I'll do speech to text and I'll have these are my thoughts. But then I'll read it back and I'm like, okay, those were my thoughts, but how do I convey the points that I'm trying to convey? And then I'm having to like actually put further thought into it, put further words into it as well. So I appreciate hearing this because as I work through it, I'm like, but it should just be so easy. It just flows right out of my mouth. It should just flow right onto a document. And it does, but only to a certain point because you have, like you said, you have to fill in the gaps. You have to kind of make those connections and everything. So. Yeah. And I think with that, it's important to have a plan ahead of time. One of the first things I do with my clients is figuring out what the outline of the book is going to be, because you don't want to sit down at your desk and just be staring and be like, well, what do I want to talk about next? When I write my books, I sit down and I write like a paragraph for the plot. So I write fiction, but I coach nonfiction. <laughs> I'll write out a paragraph for the plot and I'll be like, okay, you know, this is kind of what I want to do, overarching. How do I stretch that out to, you know, 15 chapters, for example? And then I'll kind of start breaking it out and then I'll break it out even further and then I'll get some details for each chapter. So when I sit down to write a chapter, that's one of the reasons it only takes a few weeks in some cases because I know what I want to write for that chapter. And then even once I get, you know, maybe halfway through the book, I'll realize there's something else I need to put in here and I'll have to go back and add it into the rest of the book. So there is never a time when I sit down and I just write a linear book start to finish and there's no draft, no edits. And then once you get to the end of that process and you're happy with it, then you need to send it to your editor too. So there's always, you know, revisions and suggestions and you know, I don't understand this, you know, can you explain this? And, you know, maybe we kill this character. We don't like them. They're, they're pretty bad. They don't add anything to the story. So there's, there's a lot more than just sitting down and, you know, banging on your keyboard and having a book come out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering if you can speak to just how book publishing has evolved and what opportunities does this present for people who are looking to share their stories? Um, 
So because we have so many options now, I think that it opens it up to a lot more people. And that's a good thing, but it can also kind of be a bad thing because that means that there are a lot of people out there who aren't writing quality books and being really conscious of what they're turning out and working with professionals, all those things. So sometimes it does kind of make independent and hybrid publishers not look as good. As uh, somebody who's read a lot of books, I will say that there are traditional, traditionally published books that are not so great either. So there's that. But in general, because the traditional houses have been turning out books, you know, they're working with multiple editors, they're working with high-level cover designers because they are putting out such a quality product. That's something that like my publishing house has strived to match. We want to make sure that if we're putting out something, every person out there who knows our name is going to know that that's a quality book. It's well-written, it's well-edited, it's got a beautiful cover. It looks like it came from a traditional publishing house. And I think that when all of us raise our standards like that, it's going to help the indie and the hybrids to look better and it's going to help everybody grow and you know have a better reputation overall and i have seen some really beautiful books put out by independents because they have put that same sort of effort in so i think that's you know if you are looking at something other than traditional that's something to keep in mind is to make sure that you are working with professionals make sure that you're meeting standards and it can be exhausting and i know that that's sometimes why people will just write a book and be like oh i'm done with it and i'm so excited to have it out there but you really do have to say you know do i want to put my name on this if it isn't the best quality that i can possibly do so something to look out for there I don't remember what we were talking about to begin with, but uh, that's kind of one of my soapboxes is to make sure that everybody is putting out the best book they possibly can. Yeah, that's, I mean, to your point, right? Like if you're not, if you're not keeping up with things and if you're not putting out, you know, what you are doing, then what does that say for others? What does that say for the industry in general? So yeah, I I think you hit the points there of of what we were kind of seeking. Thank you. So as we close and our listeners go about their day, what's one small action or mindset shift you would encourage them to try based on our discussion today? I think because publishing, because writing a whole process, it can be so long. It can take years. There are plenty of people who take years to write their book and then take years to pitch people. And then they finally land a deal. And I think that it can be tiring. It can be frustrating. And that there are a lot of people out there who give up. So I think the mindset shift you have to have is that you're sharing your story and it's a gift. You are giving something to the world. And you know when you start thinking of it that way, especially if you're doing nonfiction and you're sharing a personal story, when you're seen, that helps other people be seen too. And you know, there are plenty of people out there who don't feel ready to share their story. They feel crushed. They feel, you know, you know, run over by some of the things that they're going through. So if you're putting out your story and you're helping others with that story, that can kind of bolster them and help them say, all right, you know, there I can be seen. It's okay. You know, I'm I'm somebody who has experienced food allergies and all kinds of other interesting medical issues over the years. And I wasn't always comfortable sharing about that stuff. I know I've walked into restaurants before and told them I had food allergies and had the server roll their eyes. Because it's like, oh gosh, what am I going to have to deal with here? 
they're real food allergies. I'm not just doing some weird fad diet and I would like to not be poisoned today. So over the years, I've had to learn that if I speak up, there are going to be other people at my table who can say, you know what? I'm allergic to that too. I was scared to say anything because I know how people don't like hearing that. And it's the same with other issues. You know, if we're speaking up about, you know, the rights of you know, a specific group, then that's helping them say, oh, you know, I do matter. And with fiction writing, it can kind of be the same thing because I've seen a lot of things lately in fiction where the author is sharing a piece of themselves that maybe not a lot of people understood before. I read a book last year where the author had an autoimmune disease and she wrote that into her character. And it helped me understand, you know, my own autoimmune disease. And it helped me say, you know, okay, you know, people are being seen now. People are going to understand that. I don't feel as bad if I say, I can't sit on that hard chair. Can I please have a soft chair because I'm going to be in pain because I have, you know, this issue going on. So I love that we're incorporating that into fiction too. So definitely shift a little bit and make sure that you are getting your story out and helping others be seen because you're making a difference in the world. I feel so inspired by that, what you just said. I think Jen and I can, I think we agree that that's one of the reasons we started this podcast is to help people share their stories and to show up in a world that wants to promote like that shiny outer shell. Like we just want to show up as we are, have real authentic conversations. And like you are saying, help others feel seen and heard and know that they're not alone in this world. I love that there's different mediums that exist for us to share our stories and that you know, now we know that this is a great route and it's an option for those who have a story to share. We all have stories to share, but for those that are ready to take that leap and put their stories out there. Yeah. So thanks for being here today. We we really appreciate it. And I know that we've learned a lot. And how can people contact you if they're interested in learning more about this process? Sure. So my website is auroracorealispublishing.com and I have a contact page on there if you want to reach out that way. I also answer my Facebook Messenger, LinkedIn, and my Instagram. I'm on all three as Corey Walmsley. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Sure. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> 